Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Noah. And we are the Knights of Entertainment, a podcast covering your favorite and unknown movies, games, anime, and more weekly. We appreciate you being here and hope you enjoy the show. All right, let's go ahead and get started. All right, guys. We start. We always start Cozy Nights with uh, some breaking news. As breaking as it can be when it's weekly. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I get all this stuff from the uh, Associated Press uh, app. So uh, I will cite uh, the source and I will read it verbatim. So it's more uh, intelligent than I can say it from my own brain. Uh, this one doesn't have an author, though. So uh, it's uh, it came out January 11th, 2024. Uh, Fruit-striped gum to bite the dust after a half century of highly abbreviated rainbow flavors. Really? So, yeah, it's gone. It's done. Uh, this was, this uh, I guess it was written in San Francisco. So Fruit-striped gum, something of a childhood icon for many gum chewers over the past five decades, will soon head over the rainbow with its multicolored uh, uh, zebra mascot, Yipes. Seemingly for good. I don't know the mascot name was Yipes. Right, me either. I mean, I, I know about the, the gum. Everyone, yeah. It wasn't that good. <laughs> but It was good for a second. <laughs> for like the first 35 seconds that you chew on it. <laughs> uh, the manufacturer of Fruit Stripe Gum, the Chicago company Ferrera Ca- uh, Candy Co., gave the magazine Food & Wine a statement Tuesday that it's discontinuing the product on Wednesday. So I don't know if it's last Wednesday or the, it was already it's already gone. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it's gone now forever. So if you can find them, they're going to be worth something maybe yeah. eventually. An unidentified company spokesman did the same for CNN. Ferreira did not respond to multiple requests from the Associated Press on uh, Thursday seeking inf- uh, confirmation of his decision. So they didn't really confirm or deny. Right. Even though they just told that food and wine. Yeah. Uh, food stripe may have been best known for its oversized packs of spectral striped gum sticks, each bearing a distinct fruit flavor that, te- that was different flavors. That bitch was one fucking flavor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Skittles. And the minute it touched air, it was dry. Uh, each each bearing a distinct flavor, uh, fruit flavor that typically fade away quickly upon chewing. <laughs> there you go. So we are on the same page. We all know. Uh, for years, the packs contained temporary tattoos of brand mascot Yipes, the uh, rainbow zebra, that kids could apply to their arms, legs, and faces. I do remember that. I didn't know they had tattoos. Yeah, they're uh, those uh, temporary tattoo things. Yeah. Where you wet the back of them and they stick to you. I didn't know they had them for gum. Gum chewers often joked that the tattoos lasted far longer than the gum flavor. <laughs> that one got me. <laughs> so notorious with the gum's ephemeral taste that it ended up in a fitting brief gag in the on the animated sitcom Family Guy. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Uh, Yipes also had a minor cult following, especially once the company coined Yipes Stripes as a commercial ca- uh, catchphrase. <laughs> uh, the gum was first launched by a bygone candy maker, uh, Beach Nut, in 1969, but ended up at, a, uh, at Ferrera following a series of corporate handovers and mergers. Ferrero itself is a unit of the Italian conglomer- uh, conglomerate Ferrero. Ferrero Rocher. I don't know. It just says Ferrero. I think that's the one that makes those, uh, those chocolates. So there you go. There's goes striped gum. Just like their flavor. I was wondering why at the at the dollar store they, they were all of a sudden, they used to be there all the time this last year, and now they're all gone. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Just finding out something randomly. Yeah. That's, that was like a staple of human, of American culture, was stripes. Like, everybody knew that the flavor didn't last. Everybody knew that the, the sticks of the gum were hard as hell. Like, everyone knew that damn zebra. Like, they say it was rainbow, but I could have sworn it was just black and white. I thought he was black and white, too, for the longest. Uh, maybe the main. Maybe, honestly, maybe yeah. <clears throat> All right, so moving on. Well, there's no, no, much fr- no, no more gum, then. No more fruit stripes for anybody. Not that anyone remembered. I bet you now that it's gone... Now people are like, oh, but it's my favorite. No, it wasn't your fucking, don't you lie. With uh, well, even in the article, they even say, it's like, well, the flavor didn't last very long. 
It's like a staple of that gum, basically. <laughs> it turns to rubber. It's the Chicago shit. Let's see. Uh, next one up. This one's pretty uh, dark. This was written by uh, Jonelle Alessio, also from uh, AP. Uh, this was written yesterday. Uh, Quaker Oats expands recall of granola bars and cereals for salmonella risk. So there you go. Don't, don't eat Quaker's granola. <clears throat> the Quaker Co Oats Company has added two uh, dozen additional types of granola bars. They have that much granola bars? I, mean, I thought it was like two, like uh, chocolate, peanut butter, dirt. Then you got s'mores, then you got... Oh, God. There's a whole list of them. Uh, cereal and snack bars. Okay, uh, let me start over. The Quaker Oats Company has added two dozen additional types of granola bars, cereals, and snack uh, foods to a uh, December recall over potential salmonella contamination. Okay, so that includes their uh, the oatmeal's and everything then. Um, on the two dozen. Yeah, depends on all their products. Oh, yeah, I guess there is a bunch of like uh, strawberry and banana and stuff like that. Yeah, you get all the oatmeal's. You get the oatmeal bar. Uh, Just when I was gonna start eating oat Quaker Oats for a healthy breakfast. Who figured? <laughs> I'm doing the whole thing about like now it's not that I can't now. Oh, come yeah. on. Uh, going back, I guarantee you there's going to be a shit ton of people that want that zebra gum now. Yeah, probably. Uh, the company, which is owned by PepsiCo, which I didn't know. I didn't know PepsiCo and fucking Quaker Oats. And PepsiCo own Lay's, too. And uh, they own Lay's? Yes. Sick motherfucker. <laughs> it's funny because if you work in Oklahoma City at the Lay's uh, bagging place or dis the distribution center, mm -hmm. you can't even have a Coke product in there. <laughs> I would... <laughs> my last two weeks of working, I just I just break a coke out on the at the break room. Oh, they'd be so mad. <laughs> so the company, which is owned by PepsiCo, announced the additional recall in the U.S. and Canada on Thursday. The expanded recall includes Quaker chewy granola bars and cereals, Captain Crunch bars, Captain Crunch, and select cereals: Gamisa Marie's cereal, Gatorade, Gatorade peanut butter, chocolate protein bars, Munchies Munch Mix. And snack boxes that contain these pro those products. Well, fuck. You think this would be a bigger news report? People are dying from salmonella from eating Quaker oats. Uh, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has received at least 24 reports of adverse of oh fuck adverse events related to the products initially called recalled, but no illnesses have been no illnesses have been confirmed to be linked to the foods. An agency spokesperson said Friday. Uh, so they're doing it preliminary, <laughs> then just in case. Yeah, that's smart. A preventative, like a preemptive thing. Adverse events can include medical problems, but also complaints about off-taste or color of the product. This looks weird, but I'm still eating. The defective packaging or other non-medical issues, the officials, uh, officials say, FDA will continue to investigate the reports. And it's only, what, 24 you said? What? It's only 24 people? 24 people? Dude, well, 24 reports. But, but think about that. Out of 100-and-something million, yeah, or, th sorry, 300-and-something million people that live in the United States. And Canada. Uh, plus, you add Canada's population. Well, they're so small, but <laughs> vast area, but small population. But you have that many and only 24 cases. That's pretty lucky. That's not much. Uh, salmonella infection can cause fever, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, and stomach pain. In rare cases, the bacterial infection can be fatal. Fuck. So it can go to uh, so it can uh, go into Taco Bell. <laughs> consumers, <laughs> consumers should check their pantries for any of the products listed and throw them and throw them away. What about a refund? The company's recall website has additional information and details of reimbursement. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the Associated Press Health and uh, Science Department re uh, receives support from the Howard Hughes Medical Institute Science and edu Educational Medical uh, Media Group. The AP is slowly responsible for the, all content. Okay. Oh, they have to do that. It is a, uh, yeah. a legal thing. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Um, 
Here's one. No, I don't like that one. Here's one. <clears throat> this is from Peru. Happened yesterday. The title is uh, uh, no, no uh, author. They're not aliens. That's the verdict from Peru officials who sees two doll-like figures. So uh, this is Lima, Peru. Aliens, they are not. That's what forensic experts in Peru said thir- uh, Friday about two doll-like figures and an alleged three-fingered hand that customs authorities in the South American country seized last year from a shipment heading to Mexico. The forensic experts from Peru, prosecu- uh, prosecutor's office, said the objects were made of with paper, glue, metal, and human and, human and animal bones. Oh, fuck. They tried to pass off aliens. Uh, the findings quash uh, some p- people's belief that figures come from an alien center or from another planet, all of which is totally false. So forensic archaeologist Flavio Estrada, that's a great name, who led the analysis. Uh, the conclusion is simple. They are dolls assembled with bones and anim- of animals from this planet with modern synthetic glues. Therefore, they are not assembled during pre-Hispanic times, Estrada told uh, reporters. They are not extraterrestrial. They are not aliens. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the prosecutor's office has not yet determined who owns the objects. Officials on Friday would only say that a Mexican citizen was an uh, intended recipient of the objects before they were seized by customs office agents in October. So, some guy tried to pass off with the alien craze some fake dolls. Why didn't he just make them in his fucking house? Why didn't he have them shipped from Peru to Mexico? That's stupid. Uh, Mexican journalist Jose Jaime Masuda, Masuna and some, <laughs> Mexican, you can't Hey man, some of these names are off And some Mexican lawmakers became the subject of an international ridicule in September Great, international ridicule in September When uh, he went before the uh, country's pro- uh, Congress to, Oh yeah, I remember that Remember the two mummies? Yeah, yeah Good job When he went from before the country's Congress to present two boxes with supposed mummies found in Peru Must be those two Maybe Or associated with it anyway he, along with others, claimed they were non-human beings that are not part of our terrestrial evolution. In November, Masson returned to Mexico's Congress with a group of Peruvian doctors and spent more than three hours pressing the case for non-human beings that he said were found in Peru, where he made similar claims in 2017. A report by the Peruvian prosecutor's office that year found that alleged alien bodies were actually recently manufactured dolls, which had been covered with a mixture of paper and synthetic glue. So it is the same fucking thing. He just did it again. I'm not a detective, but man, I kind of if it's the same guy going to Mexico... Or from Peru to Mexico, it's just the same guy. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, where are you? Where are you? The prosecutor's office. Yeah, this journalist, Jose Jaime Masuna. That's you. You did it again. You tried to do it. Why do you keep pulling him from Peru into another country? There must be some like uh historical alien myth in, in Peru. So for him to prove it, he he has to find the things in Peru. Isn't that where the? Uh, isn't Peru where the? name of that place uh that ancient uh city hooters <laughs> where the old ladies work now <laughs> no um god that's gonna bother me man. all right i'll keep reading <clears throat> they're not the remains of ancestral aliens that have tried to they they had that they have tried to present the 2017 report stated experts on friday showed reports a couple of uh, two foot long dolls dressed in red orange and green clothes they said examination showed the bones of birds, dogs, and other animals were used to create the dolls. Why do you need bone? Well, I guess to make it look like an actual uh, entity. Uh, Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. Sounds like a condom. <laughs> Meanwhile, an alleged three-finger hand was subjected to x-ray examination. The strata said the very poorly built hand was created with human bones. See, now you should go to jail, honestly, at this rate. Weird. So you have a guy that's trying to pass off bones in 2017. He did it again a few months ago, because I remember like last year, 
around October, maybe. They were like, there was a whole uproar on Twitter about yeah, aliens. For that, yeah. And now you try to do it again. What is the end goal here with him? <laughs> I don't know. Some people want to feel special that they discover something. So they want to be the Christopher Columbus, I guess. Then go, go, go deep sea diving. You'll find some shit that hasn't ever been seen. Yeah, you'll find a fucking uh, goddamn gigantic uh, octopus that'll drag you to the depths of hell. You'll also find a, uh, a submarine. Yeah, well, pieces of it anyway. <laughs> you'll find the Titanic too. <laughs> All right, so that's the three news stories for today. We we stay with news, but we move on to uh, historical uh, articles. I got this book here called Common, Curious, and Quirky by Rona Levin. Out in uh, 2014, again, uh, the subtitle is News Stories from Centuries Past. Basically, she put together a series of stories spanning from, from the years 1729 to 1930. And uh, uh, the reason she wrote is because how fascinated she was with how much society changes, mm -hmm. but how little human beings change in general. Right. So uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a glimpse in the past of how much uh, like uh, we've uh, developed socially. But we haven't really, human nature is always the same. Right. So uh, I figured I'm going to pull out 18 stories, uh, but two between every, every episode. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to read every single one in here. I don't want to do that to Levin. But if you like the the stories, I, the little articles I read for you, uh, give the book a try. So we start with article number one for us. This is all the way from back 1813 from the Cambridge Chronicle and Journal, uh, the 1st of January. Uh, title the uh, headline was "Farmers' Exploits Bring the House Down," and by the way, this is old English, so you have to, we'll have we'll interpret afterward. <clears throat> On Saturday, uh, the previous Saturday, Mr. Wo uh, Woodier, a farmer from the parish of Leviton in Devon, having purchased twenty pounds nine kilograms weight of gunpowder in Ashbur uh, Bashburton, took it into a uh, took it uh, what did he say? Can't even read this. Took it in a bag to the shop of Mr. Chalk, blacksmith, and while waiting for his horse, untied the mouth of the bag. So basically he was waiting for his horse to get, uh, I guess, his uh, uh, hooves, mm -hmm. uh, iron, whatever. And so while he, uh, he untied the, the mouth of the bag to put it in a stone for the purpose of balancing the weight. Unfortunately, a spark of fire from the animal communicated to the powder, which instantly blew up the house and another adjoining. So basically he had a, a bag of gunpowder. Yes. Oh, my gosh. He went into the, the blacksmith shop. He that was reshoeing his horses. Yeah, reshoeing his horse. He opened it up to put a, throw a stone in there to balance the weight out. And uh, the guy was smashing away at an anvil. And one of the spikes fell into the, the, the bag. And it blew up two houses. Uh, so Chalk, his apprentice, and three children were buried in the ruins but were dug out without sustaining material injury. Crazy, huh? Yeah. What are your head and arm broken? The crash was tremendous, and the shock was felt throughout the town. So the whole town just—why <laughs> it heard an explosion, blow up uh, two houses? That's a lot of gunpowder. Twenty pounds for just for two houses, kind of like wild. Twenty pounds of gunpowder is a lot of gunpowder, though. Is it? Think about it. Uh, the like uh, the people that are using muskets and stuff like that, mm -hmm. like reenactment uh, things, yeah. where they have the pouch of gunpowder. That's a small pouch. There's not much in there. Mm -mm. Like. 20 pounds of it? 20 like, pounds. Think about how much uh, 20 pounds of cat litter is. Like, it's a lot of cat litter. I'm just saying, like, in the, in the, in, like, the scope of it blowing up two houses, I'm like, that's a lot. Of... My guess is that it also became a dust, like, whenever. Man. I guess it was, must have been other stuff in the, the blacksmith shop. It just blew up up as well. 
Oh, yeah. The horse must have been like, they didn't even explain the horse. So what happened to the horse? He died. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All, right. All right. This next story happened in 1830. Uh, from uh, written in the uh, New Amter Mercury, 11 September. Fatal recipe for dinner day, which didn't pan out. Not the best title for something as as grievous as uh, what happened here. Right. And this is bad, by the way. <clears throat> On Thursday last, Mrs. Shaw, wife of Thomas Shaw, Mercer, and Draper, boiled a leg of mutton for the dinner of her family in uh, a saucepan which had some days previous been used to boil arsenic for the purpose of destroying vermin. Oh, fuck. When the dinner was prepared, Mrs. Shaw sent part of the broth to a young man who was unwell and partook of some herself. Uh, the Reverend John Hughes, a uh, Wesley minister who called in, was invited to dinner. He and Mr. Shaw sat down and were in the act of eating the broth when Mrs. Shaw was taken suddenly ill, and as the use previously made of the saucepan in which she prepared the broth returned to her mind, she desired them to eat no more. So she realized, hey, I use this for... She didn't even wash the pan. I don't understand. She made arsenic to kill rats, I'm guessing. Right. The next day, she's like, let's make some delicious chicken broth. And then she... And it gets even worse. A messenger was immediately dispatched for medical assistance. The unfortunate woman lingered in grave pain until sun, sun, uh, Saturday evening when she expired. So she ended up dying. The young man to whom part of it had been sent discovered his poisonous quality and threw it away from threw it from his stuff. So he threw himself up. As did as 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 did also the Reverend John Hughes. They are out of danger, but Mister Shaw continues to be very ill. So they threw it up, knowing it was arsenic. But the dad, the husband, didn't. Mister Shaw, neither did the uh, the wife. I don't know why. I would, have th- I would have thrown like eight fingers in my mouth. But it, they may have not had a, the the ability to really taste it. But she, she she got ill immediately. That's what the article says. And then she told him not to eat anymore. So the Reverend threw up. The guy that she said it to threw up. The husband just kept eating it. But he got sick, so he might not make it. Maybe we don't know, actually. <laughs> I'm making it sound like it's a recent story. Yeah. He may have not, uh, he may have not made it either. Maybe. Does that not show you back in the 18, what was it, 1830? Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't using running water then. Let's be fair here. People aren't as bright as it is today. It's true. Just, People would do the same shit. Now. They would, yeah. They'll they'll, they'll, uh, they'll mess with, like, rat poison, and then, like, they'll rub their eyeballs or something. <laughs> oh, good job. They go blind. Yeah. All right, so now that is it for the news today, the, uh, the start of our cozy nights. We move on to, of course, the cozy kitchen, where I like to go a little over a little history. That I found in a book. I enjoy trivia, history, trivia, uh, trivia in general. And I've got here uh, Uncle John's four ply bathroom meter. One of the best. It's still going on to this day. They're still making new volumes. I think they came out in 88, a volume every year. Yeah. Along with like uh, spin off volumes. And I have like 20 of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and I figure uh, if I find something interesting, I'll add it to the story. So this one being food, I decided to add uh, <clears throat> uh, page 33 of this book. So I should tell you what the book is, Uncle Ply's Four-Ply Bathroom Reader by the Bathroom Readers Institute. So this is not my original property. I will always cite everything. I'm not a plagiarist. <laughs> at least I try not. Unless I yell out some random line from a movie. I have a, a, but that's everyone knows the line. Yeah, it's different. <clears throat> so this one's called The Food is Born. These foods are common. So that you've probably never seen or never even wonder where they came from. Here are the answers anyway. So we find out where uh, some of this food uh, came from. Uh, bagels. So bagels, according to the bagels, the bagels bagel book. The bagels uh, bagel book. Yeah, they got it from the bagels bagel book. In uh, 1683, in Vienna, Austria, a, a local Jewish baker 
wanted to thank the king of Poland for protecting his countrymen from Turkish invaders. He made a special hard roll in the shape of a riding stirrup, the Begel in Austri uh, Austrian, commemorating the king's favorite pastime and giving the uh, bagel its distinct shape. So apparently the bagel is shaped like a stirrup for horses. I didn't know that. That's how I would explain why they're so weirdly curved and with the middle. Yeah. Cool. Huh. Next up, we got mayonnaise. <clears throat> Originally brought uh, to France by Duke, Rich I can't even say his name, Richilio, who, taste, who tasted it while visiting Mahan, a city in the uh, on the island of Minorca. These are I should have probably pronounced these before. It was eventually dubbed mayonnaise with an H <laughs> by French chefs and considered a delicacy in Europe. In America, it became known as mayonnaise, but for over a century, it was still regarded as suitable for only the most elegant meals. Can you imagine mayonnaise considered an elegant, delectable meal, you know? Well, think of what it takes to make it. You have to have good oil and, no, yeah. and uh, vinegar. <clears throat> Finally, in 1912, Richard Hellman, a German uh, immigrant, began packing it and selling it in, in, uh, it in jars from his New York deli. And now you can get that shit for $3? Yeah. The transformed mayonnaise from a carefully uh, prepared treat for the select few to a mass uh, merchandise condiment. Yeah. There you go. Mayonnaise, everybody. And now it's almost on everything. I love mayonnaise. I love it with the like the, the hint of lemon. But that's like Spanish. That's like a Mexican thing. That I can only get in a Mexican uh, supermarket. <laughs> I tried to find a Walmart. They don't have it. And we got... Oh, fuck. The page fucked off. Oh, fuck. Let me go back. The page fucked up. Sorry. You guys can hear me? Uh, we got uh, Gatorade. Gatorade. The famous Gatorade. I do know where this is from, though. <clears throat> According to '60s by John and Jordan Javon, I guess they get it from other books as well. Their own their own data. In 1965, Dr. Robert Cade was studying the effects of heat exhaustion on football players at the University of Florida, whose team name is the Gators. He analyzed the body liquid lost in sweating, and within three minutes, came up with a formula for Gatorade. Three minutes seems like nothing to come up with a formula, but okay. Uh, two years later, Cade sold the formula to St uh, Stokely Van Camp. Soon annual sales were well over 50 million, and Gatorade can be found at the training tables of over 300 college sports teams, a thousand high school squads, and all but two pro football teams. Mm -hmm. That's why it's called Gatorade. Gatorade, yeah. I remember the commercials they had for a long time, too. We called it Gatorade. All right, next up is uh, 7-Up, a famous uh, soda. I know this one, too. According to Parade Magazine, in October 1929, just before the stock market crash, St. Louis businessman Charles Lee Gribb began marketing a beverage called <laughs> Bib Label Lithium. No, Lithiated Lemon Lime Soda. His slogan, Take the Ouch Out of Grouch. The drink was a huge success during the Depression, perhaps because it contained lithium. I was like, when I heard that, I was like, oh, so it's cocaine, like fucking Coca-Cola. Uh, a powerful drug known for pre uh, prescribed for manic depressives. The drink's unwieldy name was later changed to 7-Up. The 7 stood for his 7-ounce bottle. The up for his bottoms up, or for the bubbles rising from his heavy carbonation which was later reduced. I want to try the original carbonation level. That must have been strong as Apparently, part. it was, like, really, really... Damn. The lithium was listed on the label until the midnight in the mid-40s. They used to just do whatever back in the day. You could, you could eat arsenic out of a broth. Oh, and you could drink... Uh, you can just... What did, what did they just gave you? Uh, uh, what's the... Uh, like, uh, morphine for no reason? Yeah. They put it in your toothpaste and stuff. God, they used to be free and loose back in the day. No one, no one regulations on it. No wonder uh, life expectancy was so short. <laughs> Jesus, drinking lithium in your soda and <laughs> coke in your Coca Cola. God. Next up is chewing gum. 
so this one's American Indian student resin from a freshly cut spruce bark and colonial settles occasionally chewed a limp paraffin, but it wasn't until the late 1860s that chewing gum became a commercial, a commercial success. Uh, a Staten Island inventor named Thomas Adams noticed that his visiting neighbor from Mexico, the deposed dictator Santa Ana, seemed to enjoy chewing lumps of gum from the sapodilla uh, plant, now known as chicle. Uh, Adams decided chicle was better than paraffin and went to market with Adams' New York gum, snapping and stretching. Later, he tried adding flavor and found that licorice tasted best. Still later, he invented a gum-making machine that made a mass production possible. So, a deposed dictator from Mexico was just chewing gum-like substance, and some random guy was like, how did you become friends with a deposed dictator? That'd be like if freaking Saddam Hussein had lived next door to me. You know what I mean? Does that not sound weird? <laughs> it does. It's so weird to me. He's over there too in the chicle. This one, this one's wild, by the way. Popsicles, because of who, how the age of the person, how long they kept it in their memory, until they implemented it in mass production. So, 11-year-old Frank Epperson accidentally left a mixture of powdered soda mix and water on his back porch one night, one winter night in 1905. The next morning, Frank found the frozen, uh, the stuff frozen, with the string stick standing straight up in a jar. He pulled it up and had the first Epperson icicle or Epsicle. He later renamed it Popsicle since he had made it with soda pop. It was penned in 1923, 18 years later. So he invented he invented the Popsicle and he just kept it to himself for 18 fucking years. Probably shared it with his friends and stuff, right? Yeah. He's lucky no one stole the idea. And he patented it in 1823. Weird, huh? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it makes me surprised how people, like, so there might be people with, like, great ideas out there. They just use it for personal use that we'll never know about. Yeah. Last one is the ice cream cone. This one's come out of necessity as opposed to, like, uh, invention. Right. Uh, it happened at the uh, 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis where the hot dog and the hamburger were also popularized. An ice cream vendor who was selling cups of frozen dessert had so many customers in the hot weather that he ran out of cups. In desperation, he looked around to see if another nearby vendor would have some spare containers, but all he could find was waffle concession. He quickly bought some waffles and began selling them wrapped around a scoop of ice cream. The substitute became even more popular than the original and spread around the world, the country. So out of necessity, because he needed, he ran out of cups, he invented the fucking ice cream cone. I love invention. I love history, because it's the randomest way people find these inventions. Usually it is that way, too, because it's uh, things that you don't expect to happen. Like, just some random shit happens. And there you are. The yeah. world has changed forever. <laughs> For better or worse. Sometimes both. Sometimes both. All right, so me move on. Like, think about it, the inventor of TNT. <laughs> He's like, well, fuck. <laughs> it, it was a great invention, but it was also one of the worst things he said that he ever invented. I don't blame him. <laughs> I mean, it made a fucking weapon. <laughs> he had to have known people would be like, well, you know what I could do with this? The first time someone fucking sharpened a, a, a stick, <laughs> the first time someone sharpened a stick, they're like, you know what I could do with this? <laughs> I can start stabbing people with this. <laughs> All right, so we, we end Cozy Nights with uh, a recipe. I, from uh, Women's World. Don't ask me why I read Women's World. That's my own business. <laughs> this one is uh, from the uh, January 1st, yeah, Gen 2024 copy of Women's World. I'll actually explain after this why I, w I read Women's World. Uh, Pigs in a blanket. Uh, these mini franks are rolled up with a dab of ap apricot preserves for a hint of irresistible sweetness. You are looking at a serving of six, active time 30 minutes, total time 45, calories 327, protein 8 grams, fat 
22 grams, 8 grams saturated. Cholesterol, 55 milligrams. Carbs, 19 grams. Sodium, 842 milligrams. That's a lot. Fiber, 1 gram. Sugar, 3 grams. You basically eat half a, half of an 11-ounce package of pie crust mist, one one one-third cups, two uh, tablespoons of apricot preserves melted, 24 cocktail francs, one egg beaten, beaten to absolute death, uh, half a cup, into submission. <laughs> uh, half a cup of spicy brown mustard. So heat oven to three three seventy five Fahrenheit. Line baking sheet with parchment paper. Prepare pie crust mix according to package directions for one crust. Uh, on lightly floor, uh, floured uh, surface, roll out dough from twelve inch to nine inch re uh, rectangle spread. God, that's a lot of complicated shit. Spread preserves over dough to, to edges. Uh, cut dough into twenty four, three inch and to one half. How are you supposed to know this stuff? I don't know. You eyeballed it. To one half inch stripes. Uh, place one franc on each stripe. Roll up, overlapping dough, and slightly. Then press slightly to seal. Uh, place seam uh, uh, sides down on baking sheet. Brush with egg. That's what the egg's for. Okay. Bake until lightly browned, about 15 minutes. Place mustard in small bowls. Serve with franks for dipping. Yay. I guess you could use ketchup too. You don't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Yes, but that's a huge debate between the people. Wow. With the ketchup and mustard thing. I do both. That's what I do. Uh, that's also an easy, easy variation. Make them sweet and smoky pigs in a blanket in a skillet. Cook six stri uh, strips of bacon over medium heat, flipping once until brown, six to eight minutes. Uh, cut e uh, each into four. Wrap franks with bacon. Continue with recipe. So that, that sounds delicious. Yes, but what's also really good is if you get uh, uh, chicken, uh, chicken breasts, mm -hmm. right? You wrap that in bacon, mm -hmm. then you coat it in brown sugar and chili powder. Nice. There you go. Two recipes for you guys. And that's an easy one. <laughs> Not for me. I am hor horrendous. <laughs> I could, uh, I could ruin making toast. It just comes out either it's still the same or completely black. <laughs> completely blank. I could ruin a cup of water. If that makes any sense to you people. So the reason I read Women's World magazine, why I have it delivered to my house, is because a while back I was at Walmart and they had these little digests for uh, these things called uh, two-minute mysteries. It was little two-page mysteries, uh, like 40 mysteries in total. And uh, they were little solve it yourself mysteries, which I love to do. Uh, I love anything that involves me solving instead of just reading a mystery, which is why I love, I love mystery games because I get to solve it. Yay, I feel so smart. <laughs> and uh, they had these two minute mysteries, and in the back it said where the mysteries came from was Women's World. Lo and behold, there was a Women's World copies all over the Walmart too. So I started getting Women's World. And then I realized it was cheaper to get Women's World delivered to your house as opposed to go get, getting it at Walmart. Plus, they give it to you like two weeks in advance. So I'm like on the 15th of January. That one's over there and the Walmart's still on the January uh, 8th. And so I read, uh, so now I read basically, so basically on page, uh, there's no pages on here, 47. Every time, I love reading cozy mysteries is what I call them. And it's, it's a genre where like, it says intellectually taxing as a regular mystery without the gore or the profanity or the, uh, un, you know, like the crazy sex scenes. So if you love mysteries like I do, uh, I say check out Women's World. The, the stories are amazing. Not always, though. So the story for January 1st, 2024 on Cozy Mysteries is called New York Splash, written by Janice Coran. And uh, it, some of them aren't even murders. They're just random. They, whatever's something that happens that you have to solve. This one being like a uh, a New Year's Eve party at a company called Sew It All. 
uh, where this woman, Trish, and her companions were all trying to vibe for, like, the, the win an award. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the lights go out during the award, the before, during some weird, like, uh, glow-in-the-dark limbo competition. Sounds like fun, actually. And uh, someone gets someone gets knocked over, and all their drinks fall on their shirts, and they have to figure out who who knocked the drinks on the. Uh, it's basically it's really easy. like the way she wrote it. It's really confusing, as I'm reading it. But there's like three. Uh, it's it's really obvious. Sometimes you have red herrings, sometimes you don't. This one did not, and I solved it in a minute. But uh, give it a try. Uh, I don't know what else to say. I love cozy mysteries, and I'll be reading all of these from this book these books for a while. <laughs> so um. That is it for uh, Cozy Kitchen. That was that's the kitchen. Cozy Kitchen was over a while ago, actually. That was, this was Cozy Mysteries. So that's it for Cozy Mysteries. That's it for the news. That's it for Cozy Kitchen, the news, Cozy Mysteries, which is a new segment I'm doing. And we go to the main segment, which is history. I'll do a quick little story. Also from uh, the uh, four-ply uh, bathroom meter from uh, the Bathroom Institute. This one is a doozy, by the way. If I can find it. Here it is. The title's uh, Movie of Doom. Uh, getting a job in a movie can be hazardous to your health in unexpected ways. Hope I'm not cutting out all the way. I think I am cutting out a lot because I'm turning away from the mic. So if you guys can't hear me half the time, I'll fix it on the next show. I'm always improving. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, the victims are more than 90 of the 220 working on the film The Conqueror, including director uh, Dick Powell, stars John Wayne, Agnes Moorhead, and Susan Hayward, and dozens of secondary players and crew members. The circumstances. I can't get a good cozy reading spot. On May 1990... By the way, if you've ever seen The Conqueror, it's where John Wayne dresses up as Kangas Khan. You heard of that movie? You ever seen John Wayne? Now imagine him in, in, in Mongol face, apparently. But as bad as they didn't care, apparently. He didn't even want to do the movie, apparently. Really? Yeah. Makes me wonder if it was a curse or not. It's basically about Genghis Khan. So on May 19, 1953, the U.S. government tested a powerful A-bomb at Yucca Flats, Nevada, in St. George, Utah, 100 miles to the west. People were fascinated by the event. As McLean's magazine described it, some of the people went up the hill, uh, the hillside outside town to watch the blast. Imagine being outside and watching a nuclear explosion. Man. Yeah, that ain't going to happen now, not unless there's one in a war. <laughs> uh, what a... Uh, yeah, because uh, the weather was so bad because no one told him not to. A few hours later, Greg Ash began to sift over the black hill west of the city. It drifted across the lawns, clogged the laundry on the lines, burned the skin of people in the streets. Uh, the town citizens were merely uh, instructed to uh, wash off their ash, uh, ash off their body and their automobiles. Uh, they were urged not to worry. Like, don't you worry. It's just radio radiation. You'll be all right. <laughs> a year later, the cast and crew of the film The Conqueror, a schlock version of the life of Genghis Khan, John Wayne was Genghis. God, if you ever look at look up what he looks like, it is fucking hilarious to me. And they arrived in St. George to film it on location in a nearby desert. They and the full-time residents of St. George were unaware that the radiation levels were extraordinarily high in the area, and that in in fact the entire perme- perimeter may have been uh, contaminated by fallout. The result: John Wayne and almost a hundred others, about forty-five percent of the people associated associated with the filming, died of cancer over the next thirty years. Uh, residents of St. George, St. George all had an, also had an unusually high incident of cancer. So basically, they went to do a film. Right. And they ended up in a, a, an irradiated area. And like 45% of the crew. Like, that's like that's it, a lot. It goes on to say that, like, maybe it, it wasn't, maybe it was something else that happened, right? But it's, it's too coincidental, you know? 
Right. I like like of all the people that went to, to in the film crew, it was well, directly correlated. It's like you had the blast, you had the film crew. Yeah, and then you have like how many like over the thirty years, then forty five percent of them died of cancer. That's a high statistic. Uh, statistic. I can't. Sorry, that's a really high a statistic for you know in a, such a concentrated yeah. group. Yeah, that's. It's almost easily. It's like that episode of uh, of uh, Blue Band of State when they all were getting like uh, uh, <laughs> what was it? What did they get? Chlamydia? Yeah. Because they were all fucking the same sex doll, the sex toy. Yeah. Like you know, that's that's the bottom line. Was the sex toy? The bottom line here was that they were all filming in an irradiated zone. With fallout. With fallout. And, and look what happened. John Wayne died of lung cancer or something. Or he got some type of cancer. Was it lung cancer? I think so. So, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of people that assumed that it was because he smoked. Must have been smoking that dust, I guess. <laughs> Over there rolling those unfiltered cigarettes. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, man. You ever tasted those? I used to have a friend that used to smoke those, right? And, like, he used to smoke cigarettes all the time. And I got used to the regular filtered ones. You just get accustomed to someone smoking next to you. And then one day he couldn't find them, so he just got some unfiltered ones. You can just taste it. takes it in the, the air. fucking thickness of it. <laughs> All right, so that is it for uh, Cozy Nights. Uh, we'll try to uh, do a, bit, a better um, uh, tightening up of the show. I'm trying to do a 30-minute show for you guys every week, I, but I don't know how to, I need a timer or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I hate countdown, yeah. Or I need like something to so I can I know how which how far I'm going which way. So uh, that was the uh, I'm still tweaking cozy nights, but it's gonna be here to stay. Uh, next week be more news, uh, more cooking kitchen, more cozy mysteries, and a little uh, interesting historical event. Cool. And if if of uh, any of this uh, copyrighted stuff that I used, uh, if you guys want us to keep using it, uh, please call us. So, bathroom reader, if, if you don't mind us using your content, please let us know. Women's world, let me write one of a mystery for you. Um, it's like this is all just a ploy, so that way you can write a women. <laughs> women's world mystery, yeah. <laughs> this the end game. I mean, I, I love this stuff, and I, if they want, if they they give us the, the free go ahead, I would appreciate it. Yeah, and I don't want to feel like I'm stealing their content, so I'm not going to do everything in the book or anything, everything in their you know magazine. Right. But I mean, this stuff is awesome to me. I got a lot of books. And uh, I was going to use this hurt. one. What? I said it never hurts. And uh, this Rona one for the comic queerest and quirky is I love this book. So uh, please, don't don't uh, don't uh, copyright strike us. I beg you. <laughs> See, now you're just inviting it in. Not really. I'm just, you know, laying out the, uh, what's the word? The the peace tree or the peace pipe. Like, sit down with us. Let's, let's have a conversation. Not the olive branch, but the peace pipe. Oh, yeah, the, oh, that's the word, olive branch. <laughs> You're trying to get them all drugged up. I'm just trying to get them, uh, I don't know, their, uh, their good graces, I guess. Getting their good graces. End up getting fucked. If, if I did something for Nintendo, you can guarantee they'll sue the shit out of me. <laughs> all you have to do is go, uh, did I hear a dead, dead, dead? Oh, yeah. That's all it takes. That's all it takes for Nintendo. <laughs> did I hear a nut? Just the first little note. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, next week we'll uh, we'll do some more cozy nights. Cool. What you got for Urban Dictionary today? Ten more. Ten more. Always ten. Uh, where am I? There they are. <clears throat> Let's start with the first one. Uh, yard sale. Uh, verb. 
He even said it's a verb. <laughs> the act of uh, pushing the cum just delivered from a man out of your vagina after sex while taking a dump at the same time. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. I don't think uh, they're going to like uh, uh, switching from this to that. <laughs> if we want sponsorship, but whatever. Uh, the ghost trainer. <laughs> hey, man, you told me to look these up. These are fucking horrendous. I didn't tell you to find the worst one. What, what else? <laughs> the, the people love the worst one. <laughs> this one is called Piabetes. Uh, immediate onset diabetes resulting from bulk pie consumption. <laughs> you get beaten <laughs> from pie. Get you know, you know, good old Piabetes. This one is porno synthesis, the parse the process of absorbing energy from porn. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> You're getting stronger the more porn you watch, I guess. Fuck. <laughs> this next one is a, a shout out to this company, which I don't use, but it was I, the fact that they put it in here is hilarious to me. Computer Chick Productions, uh, a YouTuber content creator that does graphic design and video editing. You're welcome. A shout out from the most popular podcast in the world. <laughs> Next one is AM Stripper. <laughs> Here we go. A low-grade exotic dancer, usually not the most attractive dancer in the establishment, who performed for the hungover, non-tipping patrons during morning hours. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've seen that. It's sad, to be honest. How many strippers do you go to? It's not for, like, not for that reason. Oh. That I've had to go to those during the middle of the day. <laughs> that would be the most depressing. Like, you go in and it's like, it's dark. Glow lights are in. No, the lights are all off. Oh, God. Yeah, you see this shit all over the floors and stuff? Gross. Because they're in their vacuum and stuff while there's a person up on stage. <laughs> so depressing. The next one is called The Wedge. Uh, a girl shaped like a ch chicken nugget that has no ends no. Li and literally a wedge. I don't know that's kind of mean, but whatever. I've never seen a wedge before. I <laughs> have. <clears throat> next one's called The Breakfast Monkey. Here we go. A superhero cartoon Scandinavian monkey who wants to spread the goodness of breakfast to the world. It was drawn and co-created by My Chemical Romance singer Gerard Way. Really? Yeah. The cartoon was rejected and now only the sample episode exists. You can watch it at thebreakfastmonkey.com. See, that's not a bad one, though. No. I just, it was just long. And it was like a lot of big words. Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, next one is called Bitch. A female dog. Don't call, her, don't call your girl this because dogs are loyal and they are not. So he's real mad at his girlfriend. That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> and we got two left. <clears throat> this one's called Pen Slut. This one's me, I guess. Uh, someone who has an obsession with fancy writing implements and typically uses a different state, a strange pen every day or even every hour. Every hour? Yeah, I don't go that far. I just like, I just like, I just love pens. Uh, you can spot a pencil easily for his or her desk contains at least a dozen pilot precisions, PhD retractables, Signo <laughs> gel sticks, or swank souvenir pens. If you ask the pencil to borrow one, he or she will probably fish around for a big ball pen rather than let you waste your the precious ink of uh, his, uh, say his or her Y and C gel extreme 0 0.7. <laughs> Man, I do love pens though. Yeah. I'm, I'm into needle points right now. <laughs> Last one is called uh, Cody. <clears throat> A white Mexican boy. Uh, white Mexicans don't uh, usually be packing, but Cody, he is packing. He is very gay boy. He is very shy, but very sexy. He is naturally good at video games and will destroy you in any game, even if he has never played it. So I don't know. I guess this guy named Cody just wrote it in here. This sounds like a very... Uh, it sounds like uh, they, they, lo they love him and hate him at the same time. Maybe. 
Maybe they hope he's gay so they can also be gay with them. I don't know. Yeah, because every Cody I've met, it's either they're uh, they're gay or they're really big. Cody. Those are the two Cody's. Two Cody's we knew? Uh, I knew two Cody's. Remember in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One was an asshole. One was also an asshole. Uh, one that I've seen is uh, almost on the verge of Down syndrome, and the other one is, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've I've met plenty of Cody's. Uh, uh, Never met a Mexican guy named Cody, though. I haven't. Not Mexican, though. <laughs> Wait, was... Just that a white Mexican boy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what made me fucking laugh. But whatever, that's it for. Uh, I mean, Cody is a very, very white name, so. Huh. I thought Brandon was the whitest name. No, John probably is. John, Jacob Jingleottersmith. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for Urban Dictionary. Cool. Let's move on. All righty, we are going to go into our anime breakdown for the week. Or recap, I guess is what you'd call it. Uh, this is one that I don't know if you have actually seen. You may have seen clips, but I don't know if you've seen the actual anime. Goblin Slayer. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Everybody knows Goblin Slayer. I don't know if you've seen the actual... I'm not watching that either. Especially not with the first story. When I hear... First episode? <laughs> Here it's a doozy. Yeah. Uh, Goblin Slayer, It's it's been around for about a year, I think. A year or two years, something like that. Uh, it's got 12 episodes, uh, 13 if you count a recap episode. A recap episode? Yeah. yeah. Well, here's what happened. Right. And Done. For the first 10 episodes. So it's a, a 10.5. Why bother? I I don't know why they did that. It, I think it was because- You think they would recap one piece? They don't give a fuck. <laughs> she just keeps trucking on. <laughs> so uh, we start off with episode one. It's called The Fate. Of particular adventurers. All right, so a uh, young priestess joins a group of rookie adventurers who decide to raid a cave infested with goblins. Things quickly go awry when the inexperienced party is ambushed by goblins, resulting in all of them except for the princess being killed, raped, and captured. All three? Yeah. All of them? All they were either killed, raped, or captured. Oh, they got all three of the business. Jesus. <laughs> so the the dude that had the little sh- the sword, he was killed. The girls were taken advantage of. Ugh. Yeah. The priestess is rescued by a sudden arrival of Goblin Slayer. That's what they call him. Yeah. Who swiftly kills the goblins attacking her. She decides to follow him. Doesn't he pull up uh, Anakin Skywalker and kill the kids too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's got no remorse for these goblins. And the women? And the children, too? He shoves a, a, a torch up their ass. It's like, Jesus Christ. He, just, he does not care. Is hentai? No. <laughs> There's plenty of hentai about it, but no, this is not hentai. Uh, she decides to follow him as he proceeds deeper into the cave, killing more goblins and she, uh, teaching her about their psychology and battle tactics. Because he, that's what he does, is he kills goblins. Hmm. With the priestess' help... Goblin Slayer is able to kill the remaining goblins, including a goblin shaman and hobgoblin. So two higher ranking ones. Uh, they then discover several goblin infants, which Goblin Slayer mercilessly kills to prevent them from becoming threats in the future. Because I guess, why can you raise them to be better? Yeah. His uh, thing is, is that if I let them go, because they look like they were high, like huddled in fear, mm-hmm. basically these uh, goblin kids, and he's like, if I let them go... They're going to come back and attack everybody for what we did. So we just kill 
Jeez. It's like, damn. What logic. Yeah. Despite the traumatic experience, the priestess decides to join Goblin Slayer as his adventuring companion at this point. Episode two. It's titled Goblin Slayer. <laughs> Real innovative. I'm here. confused. Is it Goblin Slayer the main character? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what they call him. Goblin Slayer. Hmm. Uh, Goblin Slayer accompanies his childhood friend, Cowgirl. Right, Cowgirl. <laughs> Which is a girl that lives on a farm. Wow, boring. Uh, to sell her uncle's farm produce in the city. Uh, he later heads to the Adventurers Guild to find work, where he is treated by the rest of the adventurers as an outcast due to his low-quality armor and his habit of only accepting goblin-related quests despite his status as a high-ranked adventurer. Are there more stuff to fight or just goblins? No, there's a, a bunch of other things to kill. So why are goblins so fucking dominant in this? Oh. That's his thing. <laughs> he only one. He's like, you got goblins to kill. It's a very specific niche job he decided to stick to. Yeah. Yeah, he, he sticks to it, too. Nevertheless, the Guild Girl, a member of the staff of the Guild, is glad for his dedication towards goblin extermination since most adventurers don't take the goblin quest due to their low bounties. And those that do are often inexperienced. Hmm. So since he's a high-ranking adventurer willing to do it, right. they're actually happy that he does do it. So they should pay him a little more, shouldn't they? It reminds me of the first mission in the Fighters Guild in Merwin. Yeah. Where they send you to some house to fight some rats. Yeah. And almost beat the brakes off of you. They just throw ass themselves. Yeah, just anything in that game, I swear. <laughs> That's why he does the cheat code. <laughs> Goblin Slayer reveals that when he was a young boy, his village was attacked by goblins who killed nearly all of the villagers, including uh, the cowgirl's parents. Damn. So that's one reason why he hates. Is that her name? Uh, the, I don't. They didn't mention her name in this part. Okay. So, it, like you, you just see her. They don't actually say her name at this point, so they just call her the Cal the Cal Girl. <laughs> Two separate words though, not together. So Cal and Girl. Is it hyphenated? No. Spider Man wouldn't like that. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> uh, there, he witnessed uh, <laughs> the gang uh, grape because I'm not going to repeat oh, that word over and over. Fuck. And subsequent murder of his elder sister by goblins. So that's one reason why yeah, he don't like goblins too much. This led him to train himself and learn how to kill goblins, but also resulted in him, him becoming so, so, uh, socially awkward and obsessed with killing them. Which Cowgirl's uncle warns uh, will be why Goblin Slayer will never be normal. <laughs> he's like, yeah, uh, he's always going to be weird. Insane. Uh, Cowgirl continues to support her friend despite her uncle's warnings as she wishes to apologize uh, to him for not bringing him with her to the city on the day before the goblins attacked their village because she had left the village to do stuff. Later, Goblin Slayer and the Priestess attack a fortress occupied by goblins, burning it down and preventing the goblins from escaping. Elsewhere, a high elf and her companions are looking for an adventurer named Orkbolg. Orkborg? Orkbolg. O-R-C-B-O-L-G. Orc. Orc Bolg. Is it an orc? Or is it a goblin? That's who they're looking for, is or uh, Orc Bolg. Hmm. So, we go into episode three. It's called Unexpected Visitors. You say goblins? I bet you it's goblins. <laughs> <laughs> so, the high elf archer, a dwarf shaman. So, this is basically a legit, like, regular fantasy series. Yep. No crazy Japanese spinoff thing where they do. No. It's just like, they, this guy just wanted to do, they like, just decided to... He is the Goblin Slayer. But in a world that's pretty American, Americanized fantasy, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
It's it's not nothing super crazy. Nobody was reincarnated into this world. No, anything weird. Yeah, just it's it, it's straightforward. But his specialty is fucking killing goblins. Can't stand goblins. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this high elf archer, a dwarf shaman, and a lizard priest ask the guild girl for an adventurer called Orkbolg, and beard cutter, actually referring to goblin slayer in their race's native tongue. <laughs> races native tongue. Yeah. Or oh, their races. Their races. Is that like you said racist native tongue? <laughs> their races native tongues. So uh Orc Bolg it is uh, I believe the archer. Something like that. But each one of them, like one of them calls him beard cutter, which I think is the dwarf. And then uh Orc Bolg is what the uh lizard priest and the uh high elf archer no goblin slayer as. Okay. That's what his name is in their language. Oh, okay. So he's got nicknames, basically. Um, <laughs> while Goblin Slayer talks to the trio, the priestess defi- uh, gets defended by a witch, an acquaintance of a Goblin Slayer, when some rookie adventurers try to convince the priestess to leave Goblin Slayer and join them, assuming he is only using the priestess as bait. Okay. That's what the other adventurers think, anyway. Wow. Uh, the High Elf Archer, uh, Archerer explains to Goblin Slayer that their races have united with the human kingdoms to fight against the resurrected Demon Lord's army and want to hire him for the related quest. Like, no thank you, only Goblins and just leave it. Goblin Slayer refuses at first, much to the High Elf Archer's anger, as demons are not his concern until the Dwarf Shaman and Lizard Priest mentions runes in the elven lands occupied by goblins since the... Goblins, you say? That's all you had to hear. Goblins, huh? Yes. That's all you had to hear. Yep. Uh, since the elves cannot mobilize their army due to political concerns, the priestess also joins their quest after calling out Goblin Slayer for not asking if she wanted to join. As the group make camp and enjoy their races, uh, not racist, but races, foods, a drunken high elf archer berates Goblin Slayer for his rude behavior while the others talk about where goblins come from. The next day, the uh, High Elf kills the Goblin sentries at the runes, and the group enters. The runes. The runes. Uh, episode 4 is called The Strong. So Goblin Slayer's group enters the runes, where he notices there are no totems, suggesting a shaman does not lead these goblins. Hmm. So he looks for these things as soon as he goes. Like an expert goblin hunter over here? Yes, yes. After rescuing an elven prisoner tortured by these goblins, and uh, an angry uh, high elf archer vows to avenge her fellow kin. So they find uh, this elf that uh, the, the goblins have uh, graped. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the group finds a hall where the goblins are resting. Goblin Slayer's group uses sleeping and silence spill, uh, spells to kill the sleeping goblins without alerting the others. So it can be stealthy too. Somebody's just like, stabbing him in the neck. He does. One at a time. Bang, bang, bang. No, he just goes up to him and just shoves his sword into their chest. Okay. Problem solved. <laughs> uh, however, their silence uh, alerts the goblin's leader, an ogre, one of the demon lord's generals. An ogre, huh? Mm-hmm. The ogre attacks the He's like, no, thank you. I don't fight ogres any fucking leaves. Nah, y'all got this. <laughs> um, the ogre's attacks... Uh, he attacks the groups using his strength and fire magic and pr- proves difficult to kill due to his large size and ability to heal quickly. And so it's literally like high fantasy from the Western. I don't know. Do ogres have a high healing factor? Generally, yeah. Hmm. Uh, with his sure. I didn't have it in God of War. No. <laughs> uh, with his allies at their limit, Goblin Slayer uses his trump card, a magic teleportation scroll given to him by the witch from the guild. 
which sends a strong jets of water from the bottom of the ocean to damage the ogre before giving him the killing blow. He's going to rip his ass off. High pressure water. Well, yeah, like, ah! <laughs> Can't help from that. <laughs> uh, as elvish reinforcements arrive to take over the runes, and Goblin Slayer's group heads back to the city. Uh, her experience with Goblin Slayer and his obsession makes the High Elf want to uh, take Goblin Slayer to, on, uh, to a proper adventure at the end of this episode. Uh, the all goblins? It's like, no, well, no. No, I don't want to go. Fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> Look all that shit. Uh, episode five is called uh, Adventures and Daily Life. So after recovering uh, from his wounds, Goblin Slayer helps the uh, cowgirl uh, cart supplies to the town. There, he meets the High Elf, the Dwarf, and the Lizard Priest and tells them he is open to the idea of exploring some of the runes with them. Uh, the Priestess informs him that she has been promoted to the next adventurer rank and formally thanks Goblin Slayer for saving her life. Yay. From the very first episode, so she, so she properly thanks Oh, it's so the chick from the first one? Yeah, the Priestess. Okay. Uh, he then encounters two young adventurers who's lost a sword in the sewers and advises them to use a club as an improvised weapon so that they can go and retrieve it. Like... Know what you do? Do right that snake right here and go get a club. <laughs> uh, the guild girl asks him to act as an observer on a promotion exam, where she pu uh, pushes a uh, Rhea scout for stealing loot from his party. Uh, the Rhea scout considers attacking the guild girl, but is dissuaded by the Goblin Slayer's apprentice there or presence there. So just him being there and him being such a high rank adventurer, yeah. people was like, ah, yeah, never mind. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the two young adventurers recover the sword thanks to Goblin Slayer's device. Goblin Slayer then retrieves a special Goblin Slayer request from the sword maiden herself. More goblins, huh? More goblins. <laughs> it's like shit I live for. <laughs> it really is what he lives for. <laughs> Episode six is called uh, Goblin Slayer and the Water Town. So, ten years ago, a group of heroes, including the Sword Maiden, slew the original Demon Lord. Currently, the new hero and her companions slay the resurrected Demon Lord in another part of the world and crush his army, though some generals remain on the loose. Uh, Goblin Slayer and the rest of the party journey to the Water Town, where they meet the Sword Maiden, now retired. The Sword Maiden informs him that there are a string of violent murders in the town recently, and they suspect the, cul uh, the, the culprits to be goblins in the town's sewer system. He, he just smells the air. Goblins here. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of, that is kind of what he does. He, he literally can smell them. Like, geez, that man is upset. Jesus <laughs> <Jeez> Christ. <laughs> uh, since the army won't mobilize to fight goblins and other adventurers have failed, she decided to reach out to him specifically. Goblin Slayer, uh, he agrees to the quest and leads the party into the sewers, where they discover the goblins have learned how to use boats to navigate the sewers. They're, getting, they're, they're, they're evolving. You're all fucking losing this shit. They're evolving. Yes. And it, this is what it, this puzzles Goblin Slayer, as goblins have never been smart enough to use boats before. <laughs> that must be being led by somebody they can. Yeah. After sinking the goblin boat, the party attracts the attention of a giant alligator, which they take advantage of by tricking it into destroying the rest of the goblin fleet. That's a, that's a very um, regular world. Like, uh, like there's no men that get this alligator to destroy these boats. Exactly. So weird. <laughs> uh, as they return to the surface, Goblin Slayer is troubled that the goblins knew how to use the boats, yet were unaware of the alligator. So it's like, how they how were they smart enough to know how to use boats, but didn't know that that monster was down there? Leading him to conclude that somebody had placed the goblins in the sewers and that they didn't go there specifically themselves. Right. So uh, episode seven is called Onward Unto Death. 
Uh, after a brief rest in town, Goblin Slayer and his party venture back into the sewers to investigate the source of the goblins. Goblin Slayer brings along a canary to warn him of any poison gas as a precaution. Like an actual yeah. canary. They do those with the bites back in the day. Yeah. The party delves deeper into the sewers, but is led into a trap and locked into a tomb. The goblins also begin pumping poison gas into that room, where the canary warns the party of and successfully seal off the vents to prevent the gas from entering. I would have a, like a, a talking bird, like, yo, yo, there's gas in the <laughs> Like a parrot. Hey, motherfucker. We're going to die. <laughs> you know what's funny? Like, uh, not funny, but in the, 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 the canary in the mines type thing, mm -hmm. people assume, like, you know, these poor canaries would die, but they actually had ventilation systems. To revive them back up when they were they got knocked out by gas. Yeah. So they had like little like air like uh like pretty much like CPR machines for little canaries. Yeah. Because the, the miners got you know attached to the canaries. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't they didn't just throw them in there. No, they, I, they, it's not like they had no heart. They wanted to keep their pet. Oh yeah. Probably. And plus, it'd be good luck if the if the canary could make the noises as it was getting ready to faint. Yeah. It's good luck to keep the same one that warned you already once. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, the goblins then resort to attacking the party directly, revealing a goblin champion is leading them. The goblin champion critically wounds Goblin Slayer and attacks the priestess as the goblins overwhelm the rest of the party. Motivated by the priestess's screams, Goblin Slayer regains consciousness and attacks the goblin champion from behind, tearing his right eye out in the process. Probably just shove his his ass or something. He's <laughs> prone to that. Uh, the, goblin, uh, the goblin champion and his minions flee, giving the party the chance to recoup. Uh, the priestess' uh, wounds are healed, but Goblin Slayer collapses from his own wounds. Episode 8. Whispers and Prayers and Chants. So two ands, and the, 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 that just bothers me. Should have been Whispers, Prayers, and Chants, but it's Whispers and Prayers and Chants. Mm. Uh, goblin Slayer wakes up in the Temple of Law, having been healed with a resur uh, resurrection miracle. Was a heal that he come right back to life. Yeah, <laughs> they healed him with a thing that resurrects you. Yeah, but he was fucking dead. Yeah. So the sword maiden confides in Goblin Slayer. She has been captured, graped, and tortured by goblins ten years ago. Damn. Uh, which is the source of her scars and partial blindness. Despite being one of the heroes who slew the Demon King, she is still deathly afraid. That's already done with. Well, the original demon. Like the main, like, the main, oh, that was before? Yeah, there's another one that uh, just was uh, killed by the new heroes. They, they, I guess they don't really. I like that. Like, they don't, they're not fixated on the world ending no. uh, stories, but rather the. It's all about goblins. Like, that was this man. <laughs> uh, so, even though she was able to kill the Demon King, she's still deathly afraid of goblins because of what happened to her. Quite the hero, then. Yeah. Uh, the High Elf Archer. The dwarf shaman and the lizard priest decide to continue scouting the sewers while Goblin Slayer and the priestess spend the day in town recovering and repairing their gear. Uh, the witch and a spear the spearmen arrive to from the guild arrive to deliver a mysterious package to Goblin Slayer. Meanwhile, the cowgirl continues to wait for Goblin Slayer's return, despite her uncle's warnings he may not come back in one day. Uh, the following day, the whole party heads back into the sewers and finds a room guarded by a powerful demon. Goblin Slayer uses the package, which contains fine flour, and spreads it around the room to create a dust explosion. We've had a dust explosion before. In a, in a blacksmith shop. <laughs> yes, yes. A bla only black powder. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that really does happen uh, on uh, Mythbusters, I believe. They actually tested that myth about um, a, a, an explosion in like a baking company or something like that, where they got a, a fan 
they put flour on top of it, let it spin, and it will explode. Ouch. Which, yeah. <laughs> uh, the explosion kills the demon, and the party investigates a mysterious mirror it was guarding. So we go into episode nine. It's called There and Back Again. Uh, the party d uh, discovers the mirror is actually a gate linking the sewers of Watertown with the green moon, allowing goblins to enter. It's the green moon. Uh, it's the moon literally above in the skies, but that's where goblins come from. <laughs> the moon? Yeah. And it's green. How'd they end up on Earth? From the, just a mirror? Had to be more than that. No, no, it's more than just a mirror, but... Well, I guess once they get here, they can just populate down here, so they don't have to... If the mirror gets broken, there's already goblins infested. Yeah. It's almost like a hostile, uh, invasive species from another planet, then. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, as the lizard priest works to remove the mirror from the wall... The rest of the party repels the goblin counterattack led by the goblin champion, which is back again. This back. <laughs> back again. <laughs> uh, once the mirror is loose, Goblin Slayer has the party take shelter under the mirror while the dwarf shaman collapses the roof once the mirror is loose. The goblins are crushed, but the mirror protects the party, leaving them unscathed. Yay. The party encases the mirror in cement and sinks it into the river. As they can't guarantee, other goblins won't try to learn how to use it. Goblin Slayer report, uh, reports to the Sword Maiden, re uh, revealing he suspects she knew more than she let on in the original. You lied to me. Yeah. The Sword Maiden admits the giant alligator is her familiar that guards the sewers. Hmm. While the mirror was placed by a cult of demon worshippers who the hero already wiped out. Uh, even though the masterminds were taken out, Sword Maiden delayed doing anything about the goblins because she secretly wanted other people to understand the cruelty of goblins, wh what they're capable of. So she allowed them to... You'll, you'll learn. <laughs> you'll all see. <laughs> you'll all see what I see. Uh, Goblin Slayer merely replies he cannot save her from her trauma, but he will kill goblins if she asks him to. Even in her dreams... You don't even have to ask him. He'll just kill him anyway. Pretty much, yeah. Even in her dreams, which, which alleviates her worries. On the way back to the town, Goblin Slayer tells the rest of the party he plans to make ice treats, and the party promises to help him. What the fuck on a random segue was that? It all makes popsicles. You can do it with me. <laughs> uh, episode 10 is called Dozing. Uh, the heroes defeat the Demon Lord. This is separate from Goblin Slayer, but the heroes, they defeat the Demon Lord and his army are confirmed. She uh, And she becomes the 10th person ever to achieve a platinum rank. Festivities are held across the land at this point. Yay! Meanwhile, Goblin Slayer continues his daily tool. He's still fucking up Goblin <laughs> And accompanies the cowgirl to town to get his armor repaired. Uh, while there, he sees veteran adventurers training rookie adventurers, uh, which he encounters the rest of uh, his party, who invite him out to lunch. Uh, with cowgirl and the girl from the guild also joining. During the meal, uh, the guild girl notes the uh, guild has started a program to have retired adventurers train rookie adventurers, so retired adventurers stay employed and rookie adventurers have a better chance of surviving. Nice. Instead of just going out and trying to kill goblins because they all think it's so easy. It's like, oh, killing a goblin's easy. And then they're the first ones that get great. So horrifically violated. And you see, I'm not using that word. I'm using a fruit. I'll grab you for decades and decades and decades. Demonetization. You ever seen that The Whitest Kids You Know skit show? There was this, like, it's a really, like, goofy. And this guy was dressed up as a grape. Right. And he kept telling, he was going to imprison his whole family underneath the, in, the, in the basement. He's going to grape them for decades and decades and decades. 
They also use grape a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a way to, to to avoid the demonetization that comes along with that specific word. So, uh, the next day, Goblin Slayer performs more chores around the farm and reads a letter from the Sword Maiden, thanking him for his help and telling him he, uh, she no longer sees demons, or, sorry, not demons, uh, goblins in her dreams. Nice. So, just him going out and killing all, all these. Makes her feel better? Yeah. That night, Cowgirl shares a moment with Goblin Slayer, uh, Goblin Slayer and tells him uh, that he should think about his future and not just mindlessly drone on and killing goblins every day. Uh, going to bed, she reflects on the fact that Goblin Slayer can't kill goblins forever and wonders what will happen when the time comes. The next day, Goblin Slayer does his daily patrol around the farm and discovers goblin footprints now. Oh, he's like, oh, here we go. It's all exciting. He, he's been like... Since his sister was killed by him and everything, it's one of those kind of like traumatized things for him to where he turned it into anger, obviously, toward goblins. But every day he would go around this farm checking like certain spots, kind of like a a, a damn uh, OCD, like constantly checking all these spots because he knows goblins come up from this kind of an area. So he'd make sure there's nothing there. Like he would do this all the way around the farm every single day. This time he actually found goblin footprints. So he's ready for it. Yeah. Uh, we have also uh, episode 10.5, but it's just a recap, uh, summarizing the events up to the, through the first 10 episodes. Episode 11, A Gathering of Adventurers is the title. So Goblin Slayer conclu uh, concludes that the horde is over a hundred goblins will attack the farm soon. Damn. He warns that uh, this girl on the farm, he cannot fight that many goblins in the open and urges her to run, but she refuses to abandon her home for a second time. Goblin Slayer heads to town to ask the other adventurers for help. They refuse at first, since there is no quest or reward posted for fighting the Goblin Horde. Goblin Slayer then offers everything he owns, equipment, assets, knowledge, and time, as a reward for helping him fight. So he's not too ashamed to actually ask for help. Sensing how serious Goblin Slayer is at this situation, the Spearmen and the Witch agree to fight with him, as well as the two rookie adventurers Goblin Slayer helped. The ones that went and got their sword back. Well, you think they'd help them and get out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah. Assholes. Well, they're doing it kind of out of the goodness. Like, they see that he's willing to give up everything, so they're willing to do it. Mm. Uh, and Goblin Slayer's party also joins. So the the lizard man, the archer. Yeah, I was thinking, like, should the they join us? Is there, you know, yeah. friendship? Yeah, they will, too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> without question, for the rewards of food and drink afterward, for joining him on ah, the, the Luffy stable. Yes. <laughs> uh, the guild girl then announces that she's posted a bounty of one gold uh, one gold for each dead goblin. Shit, I'd be raking it in. Yeah. Which convinces the rest of the adventurers to join. Goblin Slayer warns the Horde's adventurers after being led, uh, they are being led by a goblin lord. A highly intelligent goblin specialized in leadership. Hmm. He devises an effective strategy for the adventurers to fight the horde. The champion ma didn't make it from the rubble? No. No. That would be right. cool. I guess who's back? Back for a third time. <laughs> like his nemesis? <laughs> uh, and the first few waves of goblins are easily defeated. The goblin lord then sends several hobgoblins and goblin champions as adventurers uh -oh. at the adventurers and attempts to flee, but is intercepted by Goblin Slayer. <laughs> Episode 12 is called The Fate of an Adventurer. While the veteran adventurers lay, uh, slay the hobgoblins and the goblin champions, because they're actually powerful enough to kill them too, since they're out in the open. So the, like the magicians and stuff like that, they can actually use full force magic. Whereas Goblin Slayer, he's a high-ranking adventurer, but he's specialized only in killing goblins in their caves. <laughs> like, 
that's his thing. He uses super short swords. Huh. He doesn't worry about uh, like open air hmm. fighting for the most part. So he also like he he knows that um, like he'll carry torches. He'll carry like uh, like gunpowder like materials and stuff. Just like a whole bunch of random shit where he will specialize in. Like he will fuck some. He will fuck up these goblins in their yeah, in their environment, but not out in the open. It's like change the bottom. <laughs> uh, however, when Goblin Slayer is about to be killed, the priestess casts two protection spells to trap the Goblin Lord. The Goblin Lord, please protect my butt. <laughs> the Goblin Lord attempts to trick the uh, trick the priestess by begging for mercy, but this fails, and the Goblin Slayer kills him. It's revealed that this was all part of his plan, acting as a bait so the priestess could trap the Lord. Hmm. So what's wrong with him? He he basically tri- tricked the priestess into helping him. The Goblin Slayer. It's like, no, I, just, I, I drew it out just so that way you could trap it. Oh. <laughs> Between two walls of a barrier to where you're like just smashing it to where it can't move. Why even trick her at all? Just, the whole group. No, he, he, not like a true trick, but like he wanted her to use these spells, but he uh, put himself out as bait the entire time. I just told her, like, here's what we're going to do. Here's the game plan. But he also didn't want to say it in front of the Goblin Lord, since the Goblin Lord has enough intelligence. Uh, to know what it's doing. Well, Look at those in Spanish. <laughs> uh, after all the goblins are killed and the farm is secured, the adventurers return to the guild to celebrate, where Goblin Slayer, uh, Goblin Slayer confides in the in Cowgirl, who has started to pick up an interest in becoming an adventurer. He removes his helm as the priest at the priestess' request as her wo- her reward. <laughs> if, he, if he was just ass ugly. <laughs> That would be the funniest shit if he's just fucking ugly and stuff. He's like, she's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> he is a goblin. Yeah, she's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and the adventure, uh, the other adventurers are surprised to see, is surprised to see his face for the first time. Like, oh my god, look at that ugly motherfucker. <laughs> it, it's like it's back when you know we had like the the whole uh, pandemic and people had the masks on, right? Yeah. And then you you wanted you like somebody and they take the mask like oh. Uh. <laughs> Oh, that's what I'm guessing for him. There was just like, oh god, <laughs> put that bitch back on. <laughs> but then think about that though. Nobody has ever seen his face. What about cowgirl? She has obviously, but nobody else, like in the Adventurers Guild, nobody in this town. That always like it's always a letdown for people. Actually, if you you haven't seen mm-hmm. one in ever, yeah, it's like that one streamer, uh, dreamer or dream. He showed his face, and everyone's like, <laughs> everyone fucking tore his asshole over. <laughs> I'm like, god damn. They, they, they let him have it. They went back to that not being in face. Or like whenever they wanted everybody uh, wanted the Mandalorian, they wanted to see his face. I mean, we know what he looks like. I fucking true. Rob dead gorgeous. What? Uh, all right. Uh, in the epilogue, the priestess narrates that Goblin Slayer is just another pawn on the board to the gods, but the gods have taken an interest in him due to his refusal to let the gods roll the dice on his actions, meaning his fate is completely unknown to them. She then remarks the Goblin Slayer is still out there fighting. Yeah, he's still out there whooping ass. He's still killing goblins. Still killing goblins. <laughs> and there is a season two, so. It is a, like, uh, you would you would think, like, oh, he's killing goblins for such small money, but he probably has a fucking fortune by now. And he, he should have just add up. Well, he, he gives it all to that girl on the farm. He, he get, like, to where he's paying yeah, his rent. wife, basically, at this point. Yeah, with her dad there. Are they related? No. Oh. No, not at all. But uh, they took him in whenever after his uh, sister's yeah, situation. Yeah. 
So it, it's kind of like you understand, like by the end of the season, you understand why he does what he does. Like he's got that drive to kill specifically goblins. But one of the big reasons is I feel like at the end of the the, the last episode, right? It goes into a monologue where he's like running through like the darkness, and it's like the it's it's basically the monologue from the Dark Knight. But it's implemented on. Like, he's not the hero we want. If he's the hero we deserve, Kyle, yeah. <laughs> it would be so fucking funny to me. But yeah, he, he like I said, he was doing it. Uh, like everybody assumes that goblins are just these weak creatures that ah we can kill them anytime we want. But then you see what they can do when they actually are left to their own devices. They're odd ones for sure. It's basically a thing saying don't underestimate weak creatures for the most part, even though oh. like. Because everybody assumes, oh, even a, a rookie adventurer can kill them. They're just goblins. But it's like, they're devious little fuckers. Yeah. And they're not even native to the planet. No. Which is really weird. So who knows what they do up on that green moon? Yeah. Weird. I think they might talk about it in season two, but I haven't, I haven't made it through like the first two. They end the series. They might as well just end it with a war on the moon. You know, he would love to live up there. Or just <laughs> just killing them left and right. Just killing them the entire time. That'd be perfect for him. But yeah, that's a Goblin Slayer recap for season one. Cool. All righty, ready for Reddit? Yep. All right, these are going to be uh, some more retail stories today. <laughs> See what's going on in the life of retail. All righty. This person is by, or this post is by uh, Disappointed True. <laughs> so, this person puts, what's the most brazen thing you've ever seen a customer do? For me, it's the time a customer asked for a partial refund for the stupidest reason. He initially emailed and said, I was in your store months ago and Bob promised me a discount code. Can I please have it? Who the fuck is Bob? Uh, there has never been a Bob. <laughs> he was like, who the fuck is Bob? <laughs> and I wasn't in the mood to honor a fake promise from a fake employee for a fake discount code. So I just deleted the email. A few days later, a guy brought some stuff. After that, he sent me another email saying, I went ahead and made the purchase. You need to refund me 20% on the order since I didn't get the code. You can, uh, you can bet your ass I deleted that email as well. Can you beat that? Hmm. <laughs> it's like, who the hell thinks that they could just make up a random... This person told me, the most generic person, Bob. What's his last name? The Builder. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> Uh, next one is by the 085 Chicken Lady. Complicated. Yeah. Uh, this person puts, uh, now I am become death, destroyer of worlds, <laughs> lord of the minor irritations, ruiner of days. All right, Oppenheimer. <laughs> so let me tell you uh, how I, yes me, single-handedly ruined a grown man's day yesterday. Man comes through the channel. Do you tell him he had a small day? <laughs> you just piss him off first thing in the morning. Man comes through the check stand with two items. Uh, his total is under $5. He goes to go pay and starts off immediately putting the card in wrong. It honks. But, yeah. Uh, I try to correct him nicely. The card reader keeps screaming. First, he jams it in too hard, like hard enough to knock the reader back. Then he immediately yanks it out and tries to swipe it, which you can't do. Our chipped cards, you uh, on chipped cards, you have to try the chip three times before swiping is an option. Thank you. Three times. You get three times. Yeah. So he swipes it, and it honks. He shoves it into the reader too hard again, 
like three more times. Desperately, I ask him if... Uh, it must be amazing in the bedroom. <laughs> just jams it in. <laughs> Desperately, I ask him if he has tap to pay on his card. Yes, but I, it never fucking works. Watch. He begins to slap his card on the screen like a jump of the drumstick. <laughs> yeah, that don't work that way. That's not how you tap to pay. That's, that's a problem. It's, it's pretty much like tap and hold, not just yeah. have it. They, they will legit just be like, smack that shit like a dozen times on the screen. <laughs> then I ask him if I can try it. He gets mad and starts swiping the screen with it and telling me that it never works. Just rolling his other fucking nerve <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> no shit. He's pushing every single button on the screen while using his car as a paper towel on the screen. And he starts to raise his voice, so I finally just said, Sir, we apologize, but it looks like the machine cannot accept your payment method today. Why not? Because you're dumb as fuck. He sighs. Uh, like, he sighs like I told him his dog didn't love him anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I know it. <laughs> he puts away his credit card. It was not a debit card. It was the cash. <laughs> it pulls out a very large fold of cash. <laughs> Why don't we just do this from the beginning? <laughs> I'm talking hundreds, tens, twenties, and he peels off a $5 bill for his total of 480 Not bad. Why didn't you do that from the beginning? We've been dicking with this card for at least six or seven minutes, and he has his $5 bill the whole time. I thank him for getting the money out, and he said he knows shit. Instead of putting it into my outstretched hand, throws it on the belt by the courtesy clerk. <laughs> so... That uh, I would have to reach down or stretch over and go pick it up. He's uh, he's be, uh, he basically is acting like the guy who throws dollar bills at strippers instead of placing them on the tip rail. He's being rude. I sigh for this guy's dog at home who probably do, it does indeed not love his owner and get the bill and finish his stupid transaction. But I'm a professional. I am still smiling. Me, thank you very much. Have a nice day. Uh, have a nice night now, sir. Yeah, him. I don't see what's impossible after all this shit. My name is ruined. My whole week's ruined. <laughs> he then yells at my manager for that nothing in the store works, including the people, and huffs off into the night. He runs out of the night. Goblins killed my parents, damn it. <laughs> yes. uh, so I ruined this man's entire night, if not his life, by not being able to to make the credit card reader uh, read his incorrect insert, his incorrectly inserted, swiped, and tapped card. Uh, next one is by Loafer72. Loafer72. Tell me you've never worked in retail without telling me. What habits of customers scream, I have never worked in retail? I'll start. Hey, it's 4.55 p.m. I've been out and I'm doing nothing much all day. This is the perfect time to go and wander aimlessly around the shop. I filled this basket with things that don't that I don't actually want. I know. I'll just drop them randomly around the shop. Extra points for frozen chill items. In the warm section. Yeah, no. <laughs> One thing, people, there'd be an end cap where the frozen uh, frozen section is, and they'll put it on the end cap instead of just turning around and putting it back where it went. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you sell parts for a 1972 dishwasher? It would still... 1972 <laughs> dishwasher? Why do you still have a 1972 dishwasher? I would have thought you would, because no one in the past 30 years has asked for it. Because I have no suppliers to sell such things. And finally, because this is a craft shop, not an appliance repair store. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That, that. 
Yeah. People people are weird. Yeah. They want to make sure they get every single item on their list, regardless of what it is, in one place, and they get upset if they can't. <laughs> All right. Next one is by Left Star Two Two Forty. This person puts. Our store closes for lunch because we almost always work alone. Our lunch break is part of the posted hours, and it's the same time every day. It has been this way for almost four years. I'm done working through my lunch uh, lunch break, and I'm done apologizing for it. Today, someone walked in as I'm closing the door. I referred her to the posted hours and said that, unfortunately, I had to keep my schedule. Get out, bitch. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure I'll get a complaint. I don't hey, get out, bitch. <laughs> I gotta eat too, bitch. <laughs> Uh, next one is by Secret Golf 6836. Secret Golf? Yeah. Person bets. So, it is Sunday. I had four hours of sleep because I was working late on Saturday, and it takes one and a, uh, one and a half hours, or hang on, one, uh, one and hour? One and hour. <laughs> That's what they, it takes one and an hour. I'm assuming one and a half hours. Uh, maybe two hours. <laughs> it took me one and then another one. <laughs> it took me two. To commute to work. We open the store. If it takes you two fucking hours to get to work, where the fuck do you work? We open the store and the first customer comes to my till. I ask him whether he needs a bag for his shopping. He replied angrily and I clerk. <laughs> he already did angrily from the get-go. It is because I am Arab? You are asking for bag? Do you think I will carry these in my hand? I don't know. Do you want to? Who, do who, who, who does that? God, I want to punch that one so hard. <laughs> he then started talking about the country, and uh, you people are always bad to foreigners and blah, blah, blah. The best part of this, drum roll, I am not from this country. Damn. I don't even look like that. So I really don't know what he is talking about. Thankfully, the rest of my customers were really good throughout the day. God, if you're getting mad because somebody asked you if you want a fucking bag. Of course I want a fucking bag. We want me to carry these in my asshole? Some people might. Some people don't want bags. You'd be surprised how they are. I gotta save a tree. Like you're not saving shit. It's just already the tree's already fucking dead. Just take the bag. See, for me, I usually like if it's like two or three items. It's like, do you want a bag? No, I'm good. Like it, it's not worth it. It's more trash for me. Like I'm good. I thought you get a bag anyway. Fuck you. Gonna be a dish. Well, no. If you're gonna give me one, regardless, it is what it is. You're getting a bag no matter what you say. <laughs> Like, don't even know. Sometimes they autopilot it where, like, they'll say, I don't want to, they don't want to bag. You still do it. And I see that, like, oh, fine. <laughs> uh, next one is by, uh, by God damn it. <laughs> uh, this person uh, puts, I don't respect the idea of secret shoppers. They come to my checkout, actively hide things from me, and lie to me. They're expecting me to have a full blown conversation with each of my 300 to 400 customers a day. Then push the loyalty app, which will be another full-blown conversation, because Harold, 75, doesn't know how to use smartphone phones, even though he has willingly bought himself one for himself. The fuck? He's good. There's way too much information here with not enough context. He's something about some dude named Harold he hates. No, no, no. I don't think it's... I think it's because there's, like, an old man that's 75 that... Like, they're just thrown out a random name. I hope so. <laughs> Look, I am done. I, I am done. I have done a podcast, you fool who I am. <laughs> Look, I am done. I am doing my best with the time I have. If everything is done exactly perfect every single time, the tills are going to come to a grinding halt. It's funny how secret sh uh, shoppers never seem to be the ones that have to work in a retail proper. 
Secret shoppers are at best trying to help things be more efficient and at worst, professional snitches. It feels more like the latter. It feels more like they just they just do stuff to make your job even more difficult. So fucking annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next one is by Chef Wifey. So it's a wifey that's a chef, I guess. Or maybe the guy's wife is a chef. I don't fucking know. If, or maybe it's the chef's wife. No, it'd be funny if they were trying to spell chief. <laughs> but they, they spelled chef. Close enough. You know how many people can't, they, they don't know the difference between sh- uh, chef and chief? People can barely spell it as it is. It's true. Uh, this person puts, I get it. Trying to find a relationship and you never know unless you shoot your shot, but god damn. For reference, I work at an arcade and I never thought it was I thought I was pretty. After beating a Damn out the gate. Like I know I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a ten, ten out of ten, but damn, I'm not a fucking goblin. Or am I? Hobgoblin? After being out of high school. Fuck you, Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> I would always love the level of uh, petty hatred that uh, Norman Harford has for Spider-Man. Fuck you, Spider-Man. After being out of high school for like five years, I've been hit on quite often, and every time it ranges from being annoying to very creepy. Also, I'm a lesbian in a happy relationship with my girlfriend for four years. Congratulations. I wear four promise rings to kind of help, but still get hit on. And I can't really be rude because I'm on the clock, but fuck, man. Just don't ask the employees out or ask for their number. And if you do, and I say no, please don't make it awkward by lingering around. <laughs> like lingering around, huh? What's he supposed to do? Like, oh, I guess I better fucking leave. <laughs> fuck, I just got a bang for my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is, uh, it's hard to tell nowadays. Like, uh, you like somebody and they turn out to be, you know, Non uh, uh, gay or something? You're like, well, fuck, fuck that one up. Fuck, you gotta, you gotta move states. <laughs> Completely fucked up. Uh, next one is by uh, Cheesy Gordita Crunch. <laughs> that one I like. Um, it's obviously uh, abbreviations and stuff. Very unique, though. At least I knew what it was said. <laughs> I knew what this one was going for. Uh, this person puts. I was having diarrhea. I have, I have IBS. Taco Bell stable. <laughs> I have IBS. I put a sign on the door that said computer problems because I thought it sounded better instead of putting a sign that said, sorry, I'm having explosive diarrhea in the bathroom. Uh, and I was only in there for like 10 minutes. And of course, some bitch Karen came by and she called corporate to complain. And then I got wrote up. How wonderful. Damn, we got rotor for taking a dump? Fuck, I would have just put the, the I would have been like a, having intestinal problems. Having like, explosive shitting. Or you saying having personal like, issues. And it doesn't have to be computer problems. Yeah, but Karen's don't care. They don't care if it's my health on the line. Really won't. So you're saying that would go to straight to HR. Like she's causing, she made me have to shit my pants. I would shit myself and then blame my purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I had explosive. Look what you, look what you did, Karen. <laughs> Uh, all right, and last one is by self-soothing it. So checking off. <laughs> this person puts, I'm 19, and I just started working pickup in a grocery store. Uh, my first week of training was uh, five eight-and-a-half-hour shifts in a row, which I didn't mind because it allowed me to learn very quickly. On my first five-hour shift after finishing training, I was asked if I could stay beyond the end of my shift. For a little background, I'm a massive pushover, so 
I have never been good at saying no. All my previous jobs have taken advantage of me because of this, but I also thought uh, this one would be different because my shifts had actual scheduled starts and end times. So, when my manager asked me if I could stay extra three hours, I, of course, thought it was an optional thing. A few of my coworkers had called out that day, so they were getting really swamped. I hope you can find somebody. Good luck. I'm just going to give you. Bye. See ya. I was carrying a lot of workload, even though it was my own, only my sixth day. So I looked forward to the end of my shift. That was how I could keep uh, from overexerting myself because I knew I'd be done within a couple of my uh, uh, because I knew I'd be done within a couple of hours. When the manager asked, I told him I could uh, couldn't because I had plans with family, which was half true. I felt good because the previous day I had also uh, made sure to leave at the end of my shift and resi resist the temptation to stay and help out. He then proceeds to tell me that the shifts I actually scheduled, uh, I am uh, scheduled for online, are more of a formality, and that they are actually contractually that I am contractually obligated to stay beyond my shift if asked. I was really surprised and confused because no one had informed me of this obligation, and I didn't even know something like that was actually legal. I ended, uh, ended up allowed to leave on time that day because I had plans, but the idea that I could be asked to stay far beyond my shift without giving any choice really upset me. Now I'm anxious because it feels like all the shifts I'm scheduled for aren't binding at all, and I'll end up working until everything is done, just like my old jobs. If I had known about the contractual obligation, I would have never taken the job to begin with. Well, welcome to retail. Man, just quit it, though. Why? There's, there's other retail jobs out there really don't want another. They're almost like that anyway. Can you stay an extra 57 hours? No. What you got? You're like, oh, fuck. Okay, bye. See, if I'm forced to, then it's like, oh, well, you're forced to find a new person. Again. <laughs> Have fun. You know what forces me is, is uh, like, I saw this meme once where, like, uh, there's a version of you saying, like, you don't want to take those extra hours. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, a scene of Chris Rock slapping some guy. And it, it's basically, it, on the top it says, it says me. And it says you're leaving, right? On the bottom, it's, it says Bills is on uh, Chris Rock, and then it's me getting slabbed by Bills. So get in there, god dang it! <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking hilarious. Instead of uh, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth, it's uh, keep those thoughts of ever leaving out of your fucking head. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I gotta fight it, but it's fucking hilarious. Basically, uh, you, it's, it's you're yourself. You're like, damn, those extra hours. Look, I don't. I need that money though. I gotta pay this fucking gas bill. You know my cousin had a fucking $250 gas bill during the summer? Gas bill? Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck were you doing? Pat what the fuck were you doing? Gas bill? Oh, yeah, I was like, what? The I couldn't believe it. Like, what the fuck? You better check your fucking pipes see for neighbors or snatch a part of your gas because ain't no fucking way. Like, must be cooking nonstop. How many hot showers were you taking shit? I don't fucking know what he's up to. Like... God, that's it's high. Yeah, and it's summer like, too. That's what I was saying. In the summer, like, oh, like there's boiling hot water while he takes a shower in a hundred degree weather. Electric bill, like I can just that double. That's fine. Like that doesn't surprise me one bit. But gas, that is weird. Like, what the hell are you running off of gas in the summer? <laughs> Guess we'll never know. I, I want to know now. What the, what the hell were you? What were you using that much gas in the summer for? Who knows what he's and out there. Not power your damn car either. That's a good question. I'll ask him. He's like, I don't know. 
Because during the summer, whenever I had gas, I'd... my uncle, my uh, my dad's nephews, I guess, so my cousin on my on my dad's side, uh, they had moved to America for the first time, and they got an apartment in his name to help. He wanted to help him out. Yeah. And he got a phone call saying, like, the, the water company is like, "Hey, you guys got a uh, a pool? Is that a pool? Yeah, five hundred dollar water bill." Like what? That is a high water bill. Like he was like, "What the fuck are y'all doing?" <laughs> they never had. I guess they never had. They're in Mexico. They didn't have like good running water, so they must have been just living it up, just drinking that. I don't know what the fuck. That's a lot of fucking water. And most water bills are like forty bucks. They were just generally, and then they go up to like you know, uh, depending on the size of a house, like. Uh, an average size house probably about like a hundred bucks. They must have been running the shower nonstop all month. <laughs> Shit, just in the backyard, just flooding. Maybe I don't know. That's a lot for, even if it's like four or five of them. Like I know businesses that don't have that high of a water bill. <laughs> like damn. Uh, yeah. So he was a little bit upset about that. So now you got to explain the the gas bill and the, the water, water bill. Well, I can. My dad's dead, so unless I can find a Ouija board, I will, I'll never know. I mean, I can understand electric bills, those things. Yeah, those always fluctuate. You can always jack up the price of an electric bill easily. If you've ever been in a house with no AC for a day at 100 degrees outside, you're like, fuck. And you think, like, oh, I got, I got this fan on the ceiling. I ain't gonna give my fuck. <laughs> that fan will just use like a fucking heat vortex. <laughs> You'll be waking up in a cold, in a warm sweat, like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> That fan don't don't do shit without without some AC backing it up. That fan, the I, fan's just like yeah, I guarantee he won't do a damn thing. Just squeaking in pain because it's been on for so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because last year our, our uh, AC went out for like oh, I mean, uh, it was just a day though, thankfully. Just a day. Yeah, because and I, I the fucking fan was just running, and it's like yeah, ain't what they're doing a damn thing. <laughs> just fucking sitting there, just hot. <laughs> So I had to go to work where it was at least even hotter, actually, at work. But then you come back and it feels better. Makes it seem like you actually got got spacey by leaving out of the hot building. Maybe. <laughs> That's a good When I got off work, the, the AC was fixed, so thank God for that. Yeah, it, it, being in anywhere, like, from Oklahoma south through the southern states, you, there ain't no way in hell you can make it through the summer with no AC at all. I don't know how they do it in Nevada and Phoenix, but man. Oh, or to be fair, unless you live in a retirement community where they already have their heaters still on in the summer, <laughs> then that's the only way. Because God, it, just going, like, for my type of job, you go to different places, but God, you go into nursing homes and retirement communities? Fuck. Like, that shit is so hot. <laughs> that's what keeps us alive. <laughs> the hate. <laughs> It's the only thing keeping their joints and organs in place. It's the only body warmth. Like, yeah, basically. It's on a death's door, basically. That's why they moved to, like, Miami and shit, because it's, like, almost 96 degrees all year round, which is your body, like, or 98.6, where it's somewhere in there, body temperature. It's a substitution for our own lack of warmth. <laughs> I've been into these, uh, I used to know this one old lady. She used to have her thermostat set to 87. Fuck. All year round. Jesus, 87? It's like you go in there, it's like, <gasps> just fucking a little stubby in here, ma'am. Like, the temperature's just right. You go into a nursing home that's all, they got a bunch of heaters and stuff like that on. It's like, it's hot, but it smells like piss. <laughs> oh, God. 
Ain't gonna be fun when we get old, is it? I I I I won't let myself get to that point. Well, we gotta get old eventually. I mean, the oldest man alive, one fifty. Well, there's other ways to to record living. There's ways to prevent that. Go to Canada and you can go into one of their uh, their booths up there. Their booths. You may, oh, oh, I, I can't say it on here because it'll get. I. <laughs> uh, anybody? Oh, the booths. The, the booths. The that, Futurama booths. Yes. Yes. No thanks. <laughs> That's gonna have to take me, kicking and screaming. Let's fucking go. <laughs> But anything else to add before we head out tonight? No, that's it for today. Cool. We will talk to you guys on the next one. Adios.